Welcome to the Soul Too Early Sports Card Podcast, where all I want for Christmas is you to think smarter. That's not Kai. I'm a Nikola Jokic truther. There you go, Shane. I apologize. A little bit over a year late, but hey, just like some Christmas gifts I bought for people, uh, they were on back order. <laughs> so I'll try next year. Yeah, exactly. I like to meet some expectations. Not all of them. Um, Kai was unavailable today due to traveling for Christmas. So we have Tyler, Hot Corner, 1326. Of course, every Instagram name has a combination of numbers after them. Tyler, how the hell you doing, man? Merry Christmas. I'm great, man. Merry Christmas to you as well. Happy holidays. Yes, sir. How's everything been with you? It's been great. Um, it's nice to be able to actually slow down a little bit after uh, it's been a long few months of shows. It's been busy to say the least uh and this is you know that time of year where everything starts to kind of slow down and then you kind of ramp back up in late january early february next year so well the thing is too i mean you were at the macau car show which we'll get into um once again i want to thank tyler because he was able to actually travel to that show you were there for what a week five days how long are you actually in macau for i was in macau for four days okay so you uh, actually yeah uh, I was You're in Hong Kong out. before, and then it, they're right next to each other. So, like, yeah. Uh, initially, when people were like looking up the show, they were looking at flights to Hong Kong. I mean, to, to Macau, because some people like they're unfamiliar with the geography, don't realize that Hong Kong and Macau are an hour away. And so, huh. like, you were looking at flights to Macau. It's like, oh my gosh, it's three layovers in Taipei and you know Beijing, and it's going to cost me six grand to get there. No, I'm not going. But if you fly into Hong Kong, it's an easy hour ferry or bus ride over there, and it's way cheaper because there's so many flights that go into and out of Hong Kong. So I'm sure we're going to have plenty of time to talk about that. That was one of the things I was looking forward to actually speaking about for weeks now. Um, Cause that show was in early December and this episode will launch obviously right after Christmas. Um, but honestly, like this is such a good time to reflect back on cards in general. We're at the end of the year. And I think it's one of those things where you're able to sit back, relax, and like, all right, what did I do well in 2023? What do I feel like the car market's going to be like in 2024? And like, how do I game plan accordingly? So when I look back at this past year, I mean, the main thing that I personally think of besides the growth and success of Soul Too Early, which, dude, this podcast has become like what motivates me to do cards more. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's something that just like, you put your name behind something, you grow it, you make some fun, you, you, you piss off enough people, you get into trouble. But I think that's the massive of fun. That, dude, a lot of people have been so kind and nice about the Soul Too Early. And like when they come up at shows and like say, hey, I'm a listener, I'm a fan, like this is great. You're, you, you have a way of saying things that people may not like, but you're, you're right, honest. Like that shit is much more entertaining and much more like meaningful to me than any kind of deal. Um, and when I look back and think of the last year, it really is those connections with people, um, both our friend group and like random people who listen, um, that I think much more fondly about than any kind of financial success that happened this past year. Right. Maybe that's because when I do my taxes for 2023, I'm going to have like a 50% decrease in sales. <laughs> but um, no, nah. Cards give me a lot of things in life. Um, I think the, the the people do make it. And I think this is an industry where you have to poke fun at it whenever you can because, dude, it's trading cards. Like, this is not this is not so serious. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's 
a lot of people do like especially the people that like take go to all the shows and like uh like you you see a lot of the same faces over and over and a lot of like the the level of seriousness is just generally way too high for what we do uh people need to like I, like i've been i was talking to like the guys who i went to macau with uh were chris wong and coleman uh coleman cards yeah. and uh a couple of things we were talking about a lot when we were there is like dude we uh we're working right now and we're just like chilling in hong kong like it's this is like 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 and we're playing with baseball cards like how many people like get to say that they do this and have, have, like are actually like able to like like make a living out of it and it's it, it shouldn't be taken too serious why, why would you take anything too seriously it's just like i don't know we're we're blessed to do what we do but. well I, I there is something to being serious when it comes to negotiating deals i mean obviously like you are talking about in some instances tens of thousands of dollars in difference in price and for some individuals that could be their entire you know money they take home after a year but outside of those very particular times when like you're not discussing an actual tangible deal you can let your guard down a smidge you can be a comfortable person now i'm not telling you to throw your cards willy-nilly into the air and like see whatever happens but you can be, you can be a human being. It's okay to like just chill. You don't have to hashtag grind every hashtag second. You can you know sit, chill, relax, dude. After the um the last Dallas Card Show when that was right before Thanksgiving, I believe I've yeah, been hanging out for a month. Like I've been very comfortable. Just like hey, I'm gonna relax. Like hey, this is some good time off. Let me take this. Because I know that when the show schedule starts to come out for 2024 and I start to travel, I'm like, man, I wish I was like home. I wish I was like relaxing. Like, why am I like just killing myself right now over this stuff when I know no matter what, there's still more deals to be made. And if you look at how the finances have kind of shifted in the last month, I kind of made the right call because shit is still dropping, you know, 10, 20% week over week. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it could it could definitely get exhausting. Like, uh, if you don't take those breaks and um, you know, take a step back, you, you can you can burn out pretty quickly. Um, which, well, you, yeah. you have an interesting perspective too, because you you do cards full time, but you have other avenues as well. So like, you you kind of walk this like very nice balance between like I can do whatever I want in sports cards and I can just chill versus like oh I don't need to like grind every single day for a deal because you are. You really do have you found this perfect balance between like everything you're trying to do to achieve pretty good success which i think is is very admirable like yeah, you have, appreciate it well you have a real perspective too you're actually a human being you know when you talk to people who do cards full time they generally lean like man cards are amazing and this is the greatest thing ever and like they'll never go down all the way but that's that's not realistic i think we have seen especially over the last year that um our prices are down and it's concerning and it's something to keep in mind because hey we had this incredible growth for such a long amount of time and if you only got into sports cards really in 2018 2019 2020 you've only seen growth you do need decay you do need some decrease because that actually sets a realistic market as time goes on yeah a lot of people were burned unfortunately uh, a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of misguided people were uh putting their money into things that they didn't fully understand and it what happened happened and uh it, it was the the correction we were all expecting for a long time but uh it's just been kind of drawn out now and uh like certain stuff is still strong and you could you can really that i'll get into that more when i talk more about the macau show but but um it's uh it's definitely 
come back to reality. And it's, it's still looking at numbers now versus like early 2020. We're still in a great spot. Yes. And in the interest has never been higher. It's like as far as like the collector side of things. That's the funny thing about this, too, is that like and I've mentioned this the last few episodes. I'm not sure who collects anymore, per se, um, especially when you look at stuff like football, because um, Tyler, you do a little bit of everything. You're you're more of vintage and more of like interesting rare items than i would say like modern cards right i I think that's a fair describer of you yeah but like in your experience in your time in collecting cards like how do you do how do you do well with modern football cards modern is in the last 20 years let's say so whenever i get something modern in that's like you know like over like a like a certain price point let's call like a thousand dollars like during the season i try to make it a point to kind of just get in and get out get somebody get the next guy like at a decent number um but uh if it's it it used to be a lot more cyclical with like uh the ups and downs of like when to buy football like uh like a couple months before the season starts is what it was in like 2020 and then people just kept getting a little further and a little further ahead to where it's almost like the only real dip happens at the end of the season at this point so I don't really know where the next step is. And if I'm not sure about that, I'm probably not going to go out specifically looking for modern football. That's just not something that I feel of as like it's always been like a comfort zone for me. Yep. Um, I don't like the volatility that comes with it. It's It's so interesting to me because when you look back on the national, and I think that can lead to the conversation of like what you thought of this past year. The national for me was, hey, make sure you leave this place with no football cards. Like if you own that hotshot QB, insert 20 names a year, and they're running on the field week one, you're fucked. Like it's just like you can't you can't own those players. And if you really do believe in them, there is plenty of opportunity to get back in even now. But all the players that seem to really get that hype going into the national really kind of failed like it was just so interesting i was making fun of this on christmas day i think i need like 12 or 15 different quarterbacks who people were buying for the hype uh a lot of it just didn't work out this year and it's so interesting because football seems to set the market for the fall and the winter in a way because hey if quarterback prices are going down what are people going to target bowman chrome i guess but like that's that's really kind of like it's a nif- it's a very niche market with Bowman in a way, um, where you have to buy the certain player at this certain time, and then the second day they debut, they sell, and you move on to the next hot shot QB prospect at that point because that's like the spring. It's it's just yeah. a weird weird market we're in where it feels like those are the two main focuses, and then basketball obviously like hey if someone on opening night goes for forty points you you sell, but <laughs> yeah. other than that it's it's a little tricky. It's, it is tricky is an understatement, honestly, because like if you, especially in, I see it as in Bowman Chrome as much as I see it in every other sport, but, um, well, a little more, it just, if you don't have immediate success when you're hyped up going into the season and making your debut, or if you're like a young guy and you like, you know, you're not like killing it off the bat, but you start having like a really legitimately good career down the road. People don't care at that point. You missed your window. 
your cards are never going to get back to where they were pre like during the hype, even though you've probably surpassed all of the expectations you had going into your career. Like look at a guy like Trey Turner. Why are his cards going for the way that he's like a top five player in baseball? And, but he mm. wasn't, I mean, all things considered, what's his war for this year? Uh, I don't know what Trey Turner's war was, but I was looking up a different shortstop uh, for reference. I was looking up Bobby Wood Jr. Um, oh, yeah. Because no one is talking about Bobby Wood Jr., for instance. And uh, Tyler, for your point, Trey Turner last year, 3.4 war. Bobby Witt had a 4.4 war. Obviously, that's not, there's way more that goes into this conversation. I was going to get to the point, if you had, you were right there, in my opinion, on once these guys debut, but they're not on great teams have like immediate success they're forgotten like bobby wood jr could be a top five top 10 player in the in the mlb i don't know about trey turner he got paid that you'd think philly fans would want him mm -hmm. um but no one is really talking about him the 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 new golden child is like a jackson holiday who jackson holiday is incredible right but he he could be anything he could be trey turner he could be yeah. bobby Wood jr but if you fast forward three years, and be like, oh, this new 18-year-old prospect, he could be anything. He could be Jackson Holiday. Like, it's just, it's so funny. Um, I feel sure like the only exception uh, that's been, like, but it's, like, in the most drastic sense is Otani. Because his stuff had, like, a like a big bump when he, like, got into the league. And then, like, it, like, slowly trickled down to the point where, like, like it almost felt too obvious to work. Like, uh, as far as his cards, like, the, the way they were priced in, like, 2019, 2020. And, when he got uh, hurt, yeah. Right. Um, but, I mean, who would have known that you know, the market would have turned into this at that point, though? But um, he he's he's the main exception, in my eyes, uh, to somebody who's just completely blown past what their initial hype was. Well, kind of actually had this conversation last week, too, because we talked about players like Soto, Tatis, Acuna, those guys, Otani within that timeline as well where their quote-unquote peak seasons or like their timing where, hey, they're going to turn into these megastars or superstars align most with like 2019, 2020, 2021 prices where everything shot up. Um, you know, have they debuted now or debuted five years or six years ago, I guess I should say at this point. Or actually, let me say 10 years ago because that's that's more of a distinct timing. How their prices have been. And and it's, it's really hard to say. Um we are really in this hype that's production market and you got to play into it it's it's really interesting but i think you know we're more intelligent collectors like we know it's bullshit but we continue to play into it because like we have to there's no real opportunity otherwise to really truly crush it and hit a home run on prices mm -hmm. um there are ways to find you know doubles and triples down the line whatever where like you can do pretty well but Bowman Chrome is is an all or nothing. Like you gotta crush it here at this point, or mm, right. good luck. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. And part of that's the reason that I've never really like taken to the whole investing side of it. Which I get it. It like it's it's a way more fun way to like uh, have like like an asset for uh, like a player that you love watching and love collecting. But it's so rare and it's so difficult to actually like hit on something if it, if you're like buying in like anywhere close to that hype like period of time that it's i i don't see the ev in that like i don't see the point um of you know making that like your main like 
like avenue. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's tough. I mean, obviously, if you're a collector, listen, if you're a Royals fan, you love Bobby Wood Jr., go buy him. Bobby Wood Jr. is incredible. Like, if you are truly that collector type and you want to own his stuff, please do. They're obviously affordable now because, like, the hype cycle has moved on to the next shiny thing. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, own his cards. He's great. He's incredible. Like, that's awesome. You should want to. It's a shame that, like... In a vacuum, his prices, for instance, are X, but this shiny thing here is Y. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that kind of leads into my goals and thoughts on the last year. Just like, I think as an industry, we've gotten a little bit smarter, but it also seems to become so much more evident when people just put money first mm-hmm. um, in the sports card world. And obviously there's no way of fixing that or changing that, but I think one thing that I realized a lot this past year is when you deal with people who truly only care about the money and not the actual sports or sports cards behind it it has become so clear just based on how the market has reacted over the last 12 months mm-hmm. big time and uh, <laughs> a lot a lot of the people like like i don't know i don't know when we're gonna get into it but a lot of people in macau that i like that i met and talked to and just like the interactions that i had is like the number of people in that room that care about the money over the cards is so small. Like people really? are there for the cards. That's awesome. All right. So let's, let's get into it. I mean, this is something that I've been very curious about. So Tyler's not prepping on any of this information. I'm really curious to hear this for the first time. So first off, just like talk to me, what was the Macau show like? Like in the best way you can describe it, what, what was it? And, and how did it feel? So um, I had no idea what to expect going into it. I just know that I just knew that it had a very high ceiling based off of like everything that we know and have heard about a lot of the collections and collectors overseas, especially in Asia, and uh, that a lot of those big guys would be going there. And uh, mm-hmm. fortunately, it, that's that that's what we ended up seeing. I've never seen a show that had such a uh, high quality like average for showcases like it it pretty much every case you saw had like a few logo men in it like type of crazy stuff like it, it was wild there wasn't a lot of showcases uh it was probably like 100 dealers that were actually really? like there to that, that were there to deal there was a lot of uh like uh like vendors for you know like a uh, card hobby ebay etc but um for as far as like the people that were there to set up like a traditional show, like you would see in like like 800 tables in Dallas, it was probably like 100. Wow. Like so it's actually kind of small. Yeah. It, it was relatively small. It was about it was about four rows of, uh, of people that were like set up to set up. And I was I was there for like the entirety of each of the three days of the show, and I did not get bored for a second. That's awesome. Um, I, I have one other question I'm gonna ask first. Yeah. Uh, what was the cost for you getting to the show and like staying there? I mean, you mentioned you went to Hong Kong first, so mm-hmm. you can include that. You cannot, but like, well, how much was it cost for you to get to that show, be there for a couple days, and get home? Uh, the flight was in like the 1500 range. I came from Chicago, I had a layover in LA. Um, okay. so that was round trip, nice. but uh, the, the table itself. Uh, I was, I split it three ways. It ended up being in like the 2,500 range, but that include, I know that's a lot, but it included your suite at the the hotel that we were at, which was Ooh. very nice. Wait, um, wait, 
So that was set up through yeah. the show. If you had booked the yes. table, you wow. Which is the first time I've seen that, and that was pretty interesting. And they had it at the Venetian. If you're if you're familiar at all with the Las Vegas Venetian, it's essentially the same exact thing. So, so the rooms are huge. All in. Are you saying it was twenty five hundred bucks with the room plus the showcase, or is that including your flight? Just making sure I, I'm. The showcase was like twelve bucks to rent, so I didn't even uh, really make that. Like I didn't really throw that in. Yeah, but so um, all the, in. So all, all in was probably like four grand. Yes, but that was the. If you split it three ways, the so call it call it a thousand for simplicity, and okay. then, um, uh, so like twenty five hundred three grand. Dude, that's not that bad. I'm actually kind right. of shocked to hear that because one thing that I was concerned about was even that flight because I could see that easily being two grand plus. I mean, the fact mm. that you got fifteen hundred bucks round trip. Yeah, yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. Um, well, what's also crazy is that since you're going to be flying out of the East Coast, if you do it next year, you're probably going to go the other direction around the world. Oh my God, I'm going to fly. Is, which is hilarious when you think about it. Um, you'll probably if go I, over the Atlantic. Because I mean, I have one other flight option. Uh, I went, ended up going with the one that had a layover in LA, but I almost did one that had a layover in a uh, JFK, Belgium, or... Belgium or something. Oh, yeah, ooh. and that yeah. was almost quicker. Because the layover wasn't as long, but how long is crazy. the flight? Is it, what fourteen hours in the air? Fourteen from LA. So it was oh, four, sure. yeah, it's four and a half to get to LA from Chicago for me. Oh my god! So you literally traveled across the world for sports cards for four for yeah. four days for the show. But I imagine you made it a vacation, obviously. So of course, yeah, yeah. I was I was there for uh, so like yeah. There was there was obviously additional expenses for me because me me Chris and Coleman, but you know like we're yeah. in Hong Kong for a few days after that, but um optional well if you go to the show which I, I i may consider doing um make a make a vacation out of it please like do not do yeah. not just go there for sports cards please like actually be a human being um one thing i i was also very curious about was were there any like language barriers or like obstacles as a result of like not knowing I imagine Chinese. Um, I would Mandarin, not... it, it, there's two like Chinese like like well mainly okay. chi two Chinese languages. It's Mandarin and Cantonese. Okay. And so, um, uncultured white person. I'm sorry. Go on. No, it's okay. Uh, the only reason I know this is because Chris, one of the guys I went with, is uh, like pretty close to fluent in Cantonese because oh he God. he lived in Hong Kong for the first 13 years of his life, so he's uh, uh yeah, he, he's got that under control. But um, ha having him was extremely valuable a couple of times. But I do know that Card Hobby and the guys who put on the show offered uh, to give you a, uh, a translator for an additional fee, which could be invaluable if you Dude, decide is, to go that route. That is awesome. Uh, yeah. yeah, I can only imagine like whether it was language barriers or like cultural barriers. Like I could see that being a... 100% rough point if like you were not aware um the fact that card hobby even offered that is incredible that that shows like actual like foresight foresight and thinking yeah. um for, for dumb americans like me who would not know any better by the way not sponsored not i'm just i'm genuinely right. curious so no 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 yeah but uh, the, and the language barrier itself was not significant like for sure. the most part um they knew enough english to where it, we could communicate on it like like pretty directly but the only i only had to use my like google translate app a couple times and it was it was just like for basic stuff um but the bigger barrier uh not language is currency 
Okay. Because there were several types of different currency flying around, and depending what people wanted became an issue at times. Like, uh, I, I came with like the legal amount of U.S. and that's all I had going into it. Um, mm -hmm. So it was like a little under ten thousand. And yep. um, so once I'm through that, like, like now what? So because like it's the other it's the other side of the world, the bank is going to be closed probably during the show. And uh, it's on the weekend as well, so uh, I, I was able to use PayPal a couple times. But uh, then I like I sold a couple things, which was nice. But I took Hong Kong dollars in, uh, which is the the translation is like roughly like eight to one, or the conversion is like eight to okay. one. So uh, just whatever it ended up coming out to, pretty much everybody was willing to take USD. But if you had, which I thought was kind of interesting, like only a couple people only wanted Hong Kong. Everybody else was pretty uh pretty fine with taking usd which just shows like you know the strength of the american dollar but um it i had a couple other types of currencies at times and um it became a barrier uh i did one deal where i bought a card with three different types of currencies that's cool which is pretty fun yeah um but uh yeah that was uh that was much bigger than the language barrier so i do know that the casino offer that that it's connected it's, it's connected to a casino the venetian but and uh, they offer um conversion like if you need to do any of that but there is a fee so i just kind of most of the part most of the time i was just walking around saying like hey will you take usd for hong kong or will you take uh macau for usd or because macau bring, and hong kong have different currencies but they're pretty much interchangeable did you end up bring home any of the macau dollars or hong kong dollars or no you spent it all I brought some home just because I knew that I'm, I know that I'm going back next year. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, so so, that's cool though. Yeah. It's not like that shit. I'm actually like for the first time going to a country that doesn't use us dollars. I'm going to Greece in the summer. So I'm nice. excited to like bring home whatever. I guess they use a the euro there, right? I'm not sure, but yeah, I'll, I'll learn in, in time. I'm sure. Uh, what else do I have here? I so you kind of touched on this for a little bit, but obviously the show, the dealers versus the actual room itself is different. So in terms of size, how would you compare it to a major show like a Dallas or a Burbank? Just in like the show itself. So like over half of the floor was like sponsors and stuff just because they had like giant displays. Yep. Um, and then the, the other remaining like uh, whatever it was like 100 to 200 tables was like just kind of off to the side a little more. And then but just in like like four rows. The convention center that they use is very big. It can fill a lot more. And judging by people's reactions to the stuff that was getting posted on social media during the show, there's going to be a lot more people there next year. Um, this was the initial one. So like if you were there, you got kind of like not lucky because you maybe took a chance to go. But like it, you, you benefited because there, there was not that many people in the room. And, but next year, I, I, I can see this turning into a really big show um the the there's enough people there there's enough support they're, the people running it seem to have a really good grasp on what they're doing uh the card hobby guys are great they're they were nothing but helpful the whole time uh martel uh, was the main guy that i was talking to a lot martel chan on instagram and he uh he, he was awesome he was nothing but helpful the entire time did you feel like a foreigner at all i mean i'm sure you did but like how, how did it feel to be a, how'd you feel to be a foreigner in that room let me fix that statement in the room not so much as like just actually like just walking around like macau or hong kong but like it there's culture shock for sure yeah. um and uh if it's not something that you're all that used to uh it, it'll take some adjusting but it, it, the room was intimidating honestly 
Uh, really? There, there was like I, I I lost track of like how many like LeBron and Kobe logo men type stuff was in the room. It was wild. Um, I've never seen anything like it. Uh, it, it even if you just like enjoy, if you, you don't even have to make a business trip out of it. Like I wish I could do this show twice, once just for f- straight up fun to walk around and like look at everything and like like oh that's like that's an awesome car. They're just like that's so like appreciate it. Just not like oh that's out of my price range. I'm not even gonna really look at it because I I know that I have to you know I don't really get so much time here, so I need to. Go There's a lot of relationships. Up, yeah, that's so crazy, and that actually leads into my next point too was like um i mean you touched on vibe a little bit but like what was the experience with international collectors like obviously you're meeting a bunch of people that you never had the chance to before like maybe talking about instagram like what was that vibe and experience like with strictly those international collectors you might not know of um before the show the i i I touched on it a little bit but the how much they care about the cards as opposed to the money was very evident um and like yeah, there was a lot of like just straight up true collectors there there was uh there was a couple people who i did deals with that uh they had uh, like a showcase that was specifically just straight up pc like all of it was out a lot of cool stuff but none of it was available for sale however i showed him like uh some of the stuff that i had and there were a couple of cards that he wanted for his pc now his pc cards became available they would That's- trade but they wouldn't sell and I feel like that's something you would never see in a place like Dallas. Yeah, I mean, like I... A, it's they they would just much rather have the cash, and that's like a, like yeah, like there's a there's, I'm not saying there's not a passion for sports cards in in the U.S. and in Dallas and in those other big shows, but the extent to it is just so much greater in uh, the in the Hong Kong show or the Macau show. So they appreciate the cards more. While I don't think this is wrong to say, Americans appreciate the the money more. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean that. I don't think that's shocking to say. I mean, I'd also would not be surprised if those cards, when they were even publicly available years ago, let's say they overpaid at the time, but obviously, like it, it worked out in their end when they might have twenty or thirty different logo man autos or patch yeah. autos or anything else. Like, hey, you built like a museum here. Like, I'm sure that like yeah, kind of worked in a way. A lot um, of this crazy, crazy stuff that you have never seen before but new existed and a couple of cards that i didn't even know existed uh i have a new dream card after going to that show i didn't know it existed until now uh it's a uh jordan tiger woods dual logo man no not 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 logo man dual uh exquisite patch auto okay but like pack pulled exquisite like from like like seven i had no idea this card existed how many are is it one of one or is there like i think it's three or three or five okay but it's so gross um i never i didn't know idea it existed what do you think it's worth i I, at auction who knows because right now this is the worst time to ever auction something but like a private sale probably six figures oh my Um, god because i i I had no idea it existed and there's so many massive collectors of both of those guys and the autos on this card were just so freaking beautiful um yeah it was nuts what do you think was the best or I guess biggest deal you made at the show? Um, and then part two of that question, what was the largest deal or best deal you made with someone you didn't know going to that show? So, hey, if you made a deal with Coleman, awesome. Like, tell us about it. But then like, hey, if you met this new collector, like, what was that deal like? I don't think I made any deals with anybody I knew before the show. Really? Okay. Yeah, because uh, every, 
almost everybody there were, were fresh faces which was another okay. really nice thing just because like you like all these cars that you're so used to seeing like you see like the same you know and ntrpas at every uh every dallas show that just keep getting in the same same cases and going around to the same people but uh it it was like so fresh at this show like i like so much of the stuff you just said like haven't seen or just like it's just like like newer but the best car oh, that shit. i picked up um i don't even own anymore which is kind of sad oh but um i mean i guess you did well then i traded it but uh, it okay. went to uh gev showtime cards but uh it was this uh there's a kobe i can kind of see it yeah it looks like a three oh that's pretty so everyone who's listening Recolor patch auto Kobe Exquisite, uh, BGS 910 auto, I imagine. Yep, it's the finger pointing oh. variation, which is uh, like the better of the two. Um, Sick. But, and that's 2004, yeah. yeah, okay, but that, that was pretty fun to pick up and own for like 24 hours. But and then Gav was like, nope, no, hey man, that's mine. <laughs> Yep, that uh, that does belong in his collection, just with like, the stuff that he has and what he's he appreciates. A, so, so he's a good guy. Whenever uh, he hits me up for deals, it always seems super fair. We usually yeah. get things done within ten messages. Like he's he's a good guy. I like dealing with him a lot. Yeah, he's Very a really good guy. Yeah. Um, but, uh, the uh, I guess a, other question that I didn't prep you for this, but like, who would you recommend this show for in a way? Because obviously the price point is higher than the average show, the above average show here in the U.S. Obviously traveling there is a bitch. Like, who do you recommend this for, knowing that it's once a year, most likely going to be in December, which is always a little tricky. Like, what, what do you think, uh, off of it, your experience? It's very, very basketball heavy. So if you don't do a lot of basketball, it's going to be a little, bit, a little bit annoying. There was a lot of basketball and there was a good amount of soccer. Outside of that, there was not much. Um, there were uh, there were a couple football cards just for like I actually saw somebody with a, a full showcase of Will Levis, which made me extremely happy because he barely has any cards. But that's a separate thing. But um, he uh, it, if if you don't do a lot of high end basketball or like the stuff that you have in high end basketball is not really rare, you probably just won't get a lot of interest. The stuff that I brought to shows that that's typically really liquid at other shows didn't generate the same type of interest they want to see the stuff that they don't see all the time mm -hmm. so uh, that that was a that was a big difference um but that and if, if you uh like if if you just like you know i don't know don't feel feel comfortable traveling at the far because like i've i've gone on a few like long trips but that that was pretty that was pretty crazy that was a lot of traveling for a show yeah that's literally the other side of the world now here now a couple of the questions thing of this we're just talking about this do people use like all do people use card ladder or people trying to buy 75 percent comps like did that ever kind of happen at the show or was that just an american thing from your experience um yeah it did still happen a few times but the one of the weirdest things that i noticed is that if like say like you and i are trying to like figure you're trying to buy a card off me i want to be at 2k you want to be at like 1500 Yep. If we're there, we're probably going to get something done, right? Like we're yes. probably going to meet at like 1750 or something. But yep. if you like a lot of the people that were coming up to the table when I was there or even just walking around, just like, I don't know if it's a cultural difference with negotiation or what, but like if you were at 1500, you were at 1500. Like I, like if I came down to 1600, probably still wouldn't take it. Uh, like just like that, they were so much more firm with their negotiation and their offer means so much more than it does in dallas which by that i just mean like 
they say a number that's where they want to be and that's yep. that's not like that's not everybody but like generally that's one of the bigger negotiation like differences that i noticed which was which kind of like not screwed me up on a couple of deals but like it kept me from getting something done a couple of times just because i wasn't aware of it I, yeah, I wonder if that is more of like they actually truly were going to keep that item versus like run to the next dealer and be like, hey, I bought this for 15, <laughs> give me 16. Um, there was some of that still, but. Was it from Americans, you think? Or you think that was just like other collectors or other uh, international dealers who were just like trying to like one up you? There there definitely are some. And like, it's not like. It's not completely night and day. Like there is, uh, there's, there still are those, uh, those dealers and those guys even like just like running around like who just bought a card over at the other other end of the room for a hundred and now they're trying to flip it to you for one twenty. That still happens all the time, but for, uh, more so than any other show like that I've experienced is like they just want the card. They want to collect the card. There were people walking around with binders with six, seven figure collections in binders. In binders, yes. Oh my god, that's actually terrifying. I don't like that. I don't like that. It, it was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Like I gave uh, game used jerseys from like team Reggie Miller Team USA game used jersey. I found he was, sho- he was shoved in a book bag. Ugh, I don't pulled, like he that. Pu- he pulled it out of a plastic bag. Shocked me. Just Dude, like, that is not crazy. That's awesome, but I'd be like, please, like properly care for this <laughs> it made me too anxious i don't like that but i i love i love it but i i don't like that let me let me figure out how to phrase that correctly um no i get it yeah that's what a world dude you travel across literally the entire travel across the world for sports cards and i imagine it was financially successful for you because like you're already talking about going back next year yeah um it was a it was a really good show um uh, one of the other things that was kind of funny is that I brought a, I brought my 52 mantle with me. Uh, I have, okay. a, I have an SGC4 right now. And, uh, you know, if you bring one of those to Dallas, people are going to be like, oh, yeah, that, like, uh, that's pretty cool. But, you know, there's like there's like seven of them in the room. Yep. It, but, like, they, a lot of people just have never seen one before. Like, I was showing it to people that have, like, the craziest collections I've ever seen. And, and they, they were looking at that the way that I was looking at their, you know, Jordan logo man. But like there was, it was, it was just so crazy, like how different the inventory is there and like what they have easier access to and like what like they collect, but they just knew right off the bat who that there was, there was a couple people who did not know who Babe Ruth or Mickey Mantle was. That was funny, but, uh, you know, that's just cultural. Yeah. And that, that doesn't really shock me. I mean, I imagine the only baseball that would do well there would be Asian athletes like Hideki Matsui, Shohei Otani, like. I imagine those would do well there if you hit just baseball, right? Yeah. Yeah. I had a blue Otani, a uh, Bowman Chrome with me. And that was the one baseball card that kept getting a lot of interest, except for the people who like knew and really understood what the, the 52 mantle was. I was getting interest as well, but like, um, everything else was just filler. Like I, I, I know, I know much better how to gear my inventory next year. So what you told me is I have to bring only MPB next year. Right. Yeah. 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 All right. Cool. Yeah, Sorry. So I'm starting early. Just Yamamoto across the board. Just, Dude, if I like how we're getting into MBB for a second, I um I put fifty SGC ten Yamamoto papers on eBay, um the day after he signed or the day before he signed, I've sold thirty of them in like, three days. Makes sense. So stupid. So, it's so crazy. I know. I love it. It's it's the dumbest world, but 
Tyler, anything else you want to talk through? Do you like any any New Year's resolutions, hobby wise, or anything to keep in mind for for next year, or like anything else you want to touch on that we didn't have a chance to? Um, not particularly. No. Um, Listen, there's man. a couple. There's a couple ones that I bought in Hong Kong that I that I'm probably gonna keep for. Like this, this one I'm probably going to keep for PC, which I, he's not even really my PC, but I've always loved him. But uh, picking this up was really fun. It's uh, Blake, the, Griffin? oh, sick. Blake Griffin's NT logo, man. Oh, so uh, it's the one one rookie. It's a uh, it's number to five actually. It's uh, oh, a okay. but it's a it's a true gem plus. Is but, it game worn? Uh, no, it's a Van worn. But okay, I was gonna say it's a. Uh, I don't know that that's just one that like I I, I saw and I'm, I'm like I've always liked him, but uh, like. I, and I usually wouldn't keep something like that, but like I saw it, I was like, all right, that, that's super cool. But I mean, I have to imagine that was what 500 bucks, maybe a thousand at the most. Like, it was like 3,200. There was, there was caps, but like there was really? caps on the other ones that have sold. Yeah. But holy shit. I mean, yeah. I, uh, that shows what I know, but Hey, go figure. Listen, you gotta find the one guy who wants it. I guess it was, you. Apparently, it's I don't not. know. Yeah, yeah. Listen, nothing yeah, wrong with that. You're gonna keep it. They're rubbing, so. they're rubbing off on me. I'm, I'm picking up stuff that, uh, I, got, I don't even really care what it costs. But. I mean, you're a collector. How dare you in this economy? Yeah. What? Yeah, yeah right. Man. But listen, Tyler, thank you so much for, for joining. Uh, it's pretty crazy. We're at the end of 2023. Um, I think looking back on, on the year, it was. A lot of highs, some lows financially, but like that's that's just sports cards in general. It's still better than, dude. I remember in 2017, I was working at a shitty social media. I was working at a shitty marketing company. I made seventeen thousand dollars, I think, in sales. Maybe I think it was seventeen thousand dollars in sales in like 2017. I'm like, oh man, I did awesome. Like there are deals now these days where I've sold more than that, and I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, this year was terrible. I did so bad, like. Keeping right. perspective and keeping perspective and being humble and just being real with yourself, like, will get you much farther. Um, this year was great. I think for next year, um, card wise, I don't know what the goal is. I know podcast wise, I, I want this podcast to be top 75 in the US. We peaked at 115, 125 um, for a couple of days. I wanted to consistently be in the top 100, which. Hey, listen, if you're watching or listening at this point in the show, you are helping to contribute to that. And all I can say is thank you. So on that note, thank you guys for watching or listening next week. Maybe we'll have Kai back and it'll be a whole new year of probably me saying stupid things. Thank you guys for watching and we'll see you next time. <laughs>